0: must be at least 18 years old. Promo code, location, and other restrictions apply. See terms of use for details. Please play responsibly. Call 800-426-2537 for help. Think you know sports? Then try to turn your sports knowledge into real money with the Sleeper app, the ultimate fantasy sports app that can turn game day into payday. With up to 100 times payout and your first deposit matched up to $500. Just download the Sleeper app and pick your favorite sports and players, like Christian McCaffrey's Rushing Yards. With more stats than any sports app, just choose two or more of your favorite players from pregame live or even across different sports pick more or less from the predicted stats and ka you could win up to 100 times your money if your pick wins with the sleeper app you can make picks anytime even after the game starts with up to 100 times payout what are you waiting for download sleeper today and unlock one of the fastest growing fantasy sports apps in the world just go to the app store download the sleeper app today and use code sports for up to 500 match on your first deposit that's promo code sports
1: To you from Nashville, Tennessee. This is the award-winning Reality Radio. Good evening, everybody. My name is Sandman, and I'll be your host for the next two hours tonight. Thank you for tuning in and downloading and listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it, everybody. It is Friday, August the fifth, two thousand sixteen, and of course you know that means it's the first Friday of the month, which is. Also time for another episode of the award-winning Parareality Radio Show. Well, everybody, this month on August the 16th, the world will mourn the death of the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. It's been 39 years since he died, yet people continue to say that they've spotted him all over the globe. Elvis Presley died On August the 16th, 1977, in the bathroom of his Graceland mansion in Memphis, Tennessee, he was 42, only 42 years old at the time of his death. He had actually been on the toilet, but had either fallen off the toilet onto the floor or had gotten up and walked a few steps and then fell down onto the floor. Regardless, he was found on the floor in his bathroom with his pants around his ankles lying in a pool of his own vomit. Now, his staff were panicked, obviously, of course, after he was found. He was found by his girlfriend at the time. She called uh, for help. The staff became panicked. They contacted, of course, EMS, and they uh, rushed him to nearby Baptist Memorial Hospital, where after several attempts to revive him, he died, or at least was pronounced dead, At 3.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And his autopsy was performed at 7 o'clock p.m. Now, the last time that Elvis was seen alive was probably around 9 o'clock in the morning. And he was found dead in his bathroom at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So, we don't know exactly how long he had been down before he was found dead. But we do know that it was 2 o'clock when he was found... He was officially pronounced dead at 3.30 p.m., so they tried for, EMS and hospital personnel tried for an hour and a half to revive him, and it was an attempt in futility from the very get-go, because he had probably been dead for several hours by this point in time. The uh, autopsy was performed at 7 o'clock that same night, so not even four hours later, his autopsy was performed. I mean, man, that, that's quick. It, that never happens, you know. Even even by today's standards, a celebrity dies, and it's still a, a few days at least before they get an autopsy. Now, the official coroner's report lists cardiac arrhythmia as the cause of Elvis Presley's death, but this was later admitted to be a ruse entered by the Presley family, along with autopsy physicians Dr. Jerry T. Francisco and Dr. Eric Muirhead, and uh, one Dr. Noel uh, Florido. This was to cover up the real cause of death, which was more than likely a a cocktail of about 10 prescribed drugs taken in doses that no doctor would prescribe. And in no short order, these were... uh, painkillers, morphine and Demerol. Uh, he also had chlorophenaramine and antihistamine. He had uh, uh, muscle relaxers or tranquilizers, however you want to look at it, Valium and uh, placidol. And finally, four drugs were found in significant quantities. Codeine, which is an opiate derivative. Um, ethanamate, uh, largely prescribed drug at the time as uh, it was a sleeping pill of the day, uh, Quaaludes uh, which, uh, and, and, and a barbiturate or some sort of depressant that has never actually been positively identified. It's also been rumored that um, things such as Elevil um, were found in his system at the time of his death. Um, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but Elavil is, uh, is an old medication. It's a benzodiazepine. It's an old medication that was initially used to treat depression. Uh, they found that it didn't really de- treat depression very well, but it worked as a hell of a sleep aid. So uh, he was probably taking that to help him sleep. He was uh, a, just a uh, uh, horrible insomniac. Um, the The phrase... Cardiac arrhythmia, in the context of the coroner's report, means little more than his heart stopped. And the report initially tried to attribute the arrhythmia to cardiovascular disease, but Elvis's own personal physician, Dr. Nick, stated that Presley didn't have any such chronic problems at the time. Most of Elvis's many health problems can and have been traced back to his rampant abuse of prescription drugs. Though it certainly seems like these prescription drugs combined with a poor diet and an overall unhealthy lifestyle caused his untimely demise, there continues to be, to this very day, many conspiracy theories surrounding his death. Did Elvis really die? Or did he fake his own death for some nefarious reason? Well, on this episode of Parareality Radio, I'm going to be taking a look at my top five wildest conspiracy theories surrounding the death of the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. But before I get into it, let me tell you how you can get in contact with me here at the show, because there are, as you know, a few different ways that you can go about that. First of all, easiest, quickest way to get in touch with me is send me an email. My email address is Sandman at parareality.com. That's Sandman at Parareality.com. I'm also available on Facebook. You can follow me there at uh, Sandman Parareality on Facebook. I have a uh, show page, uh, Parareality Radio, on Facebook as well. You can find that just by typing in Parareality Radio or Sandman Parareality to find me there on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Parareal Radio, that's P-A-R-A-R-E-A-L-R-A-D-I-O, all one word, (coughs) excuse me, at Parareal Radio on Twitter. And finally, you can always call the studio line at 615-692-1170 and leave me a message. Just be aware that I may, just may, play your comment back on the show. Simply by calling and leaving me a message is granting me permission to play your comment back on the show if I so deem fit. And you never know, I can also answer the phone as well because I'm always in the studio these days working on stuff and uh, you just may catch me there. So those are all the different ways you can contact me here on Parareality Radio, and I'll run through them again real quick. Email me, sandman at parareality.com. Follow me on Facebook, Sandman Parareality. Follow me on Twitter at Parareal Radio, or call the studio line at area code 615, then dial six nine two one one seven zero. Leave me a message. Don't forget that I may play your message back on the air. All right, everybody. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Elvis is alive. We've heard this comment, this statement made for years, for 39 years now. It's a well-traveled companion of popular culture. The notion that Elvis faked his death is as ubiquitous as claims that a giant-headed alien was subjected to an autopsy at Roswell or Sasquatch, roams the forest of any number of woods, especially the uh, Pacific Northwest. It's, it's so ubiquitous, in fact, that many people simply assume that there are facts and figures to support this idea if you hear something in the background that is my dog i brought him into the parareality radio studio tonight he is hanging out with me and i want to point out you'll probably hear a roaring or a wishing of air uh as well that is the air conditioning unit unfortunately i have a very small studio and the way the studio is set up the uh broadcast desk is right under an air conditioning vent and uh i got to try to figure out some way to take care of this one day. You can always hear it in the background, it seems. But anyway, the little snorting and and stuff you heard, that's that's the official pair-reality radio dog. So anyway, what are the actual facts? What is the basis of this debate? Is it really even possible that Elvis faked his death and went into hiding only to, I don't know, reveal himself through various means all these years later? Since the day... Elvis Presley was proclaimed dead due to a drug overdose on August the 16th, 1977. Rumors and conjecture have uh, hypothesized that he's still living. Some claim that he's living in secrecy, escaping the life that he had uh, created for himself as arguably the most popular and influential American musician of all time, at least up until that time anyway. Is it that Elvis Presley fans simply just can't let go, or is there truth to this unquenchable rumor that he faked his own demise to gain the privacy and peace that he lacked during his stardom? Well, I'm going to take a look at my top five Elvis Presley death conspiracy theories, and we're also going to look at some other things, some odd behaviors that Elvis Presley did right up uh, right prior to his death. So before we get into that, or before I get into that, should I say, let's talk about his humble beginnings. Elvis Presley was born in Tupelo, Mississippi on the 8th of January, 1935. Despite his later status as a legendary musician, his family lived in near poverty levels during his childhood. And he was reared. He was raised as an only child. He did have an identical twin brother, uh, who was unfortunately stillborn. And Elvis was very close to his mother, probably because of this. It was his mother that encouraged him to buy his first guitar, as opposed to the rifle that he wanted to buy. And once he possessed This guitar, once he had it in his possession, he was rarely seen without it throughout his youth. The Presley family attended the Assembly of God Church, which was later to have a large influence on his music and the unique sound that he became famous for. As he got older, he would play anywhere he could, gradually making a name for himself in Memphis along the famed Beale Street. I've been there. It's a great place to go. Uh, even today, BB King, the late great BB King, uh, he he would recall Elvis hanging around before he became big. So Elvis had a lot of time on Beale Street to hone his skills and help him become the household name that he eventually became. It was initially difficult. For Elvis to rise to immediate stardom because most music producers at the time weren't sure if his sound, this unique sound he had, was even marketable. After all, he was a white man playing quote-unquote black music, and many producers thought that made him unattractive to listeners of either ethnicity, and it turns out just the opposite was true, right? His mixture of black gospel sounds and rhythm and provocative hip gyrating performances rose him to immediate fame, and the rest, as they say, is history. Or maybe I should even say the rest is a legend. So we're talking about his rise to fame now. As he gained in popularity, he began acting in movies. Many of them were just nothing more than a venue to promote his music. And, of course, he performed live concerts nationwide. Uh, His live concert in Hawaii was the first concert to be broadcast via satellite, and it reached an estimated 1 billion people. Many musicians today credit Elvis as their inspiration to get into music. Even John Lennon was reported to have said, and I quote, "...without Elvis, there would be no Beatles." As Elvis became more and more famous, however... He also became increasingly withdrawn. There was a kind of an emptiness to his fame, something he couldn't quite come to terms with, and it would ultimately prove to be part, at least, of his undoing. What happened? Well, it seems like he might have turned to drugs to find some sort of solace, some sort of comfort. Now we start talking about his troubles. Everyone knows that Elvis Presley married Priscilla Beaulieu in uh, 1967 Excuse me, and unfortunately the marriage was only to last a, a short six years. He uh, divorced Priscilla in 1973 and consequently became increasingly isolated and overweight. His drug usage was taking a heavy toll on his health, on his mood and in his performances. It was reported that he began experimenting with drugs while he was in the army when he was stationed in Germany. Now, despite this weight gain and drug problem, Elvis was still capable of putting on a critically applauded, great performance. And the numbers back this up. His concerts were continually sold out, and his records continued to produce hits despite the fact the contemporary music scene was moving in a different direction what with you know acts coming out like the rolling stones and janice joplin and even led zeppelin however as time progressed elvis became more and more obese he would diet excessively and then binge eat sounds kind of like he might have had some sort of eating disorder maybe bulimia men can get bulimia Eventually, all desire to keep himself physically fit just left him. You know, he, was, uh, he got into the martial arts and practiced karate, and he was fit and, and limber, and that helped keep him in shape. And he even lost a desire to practice the martial arts. Now let's talk about his death. The 42-year-old Elvis Presley was found face down on the floor of his bathroom in, at his home in Graceland which was his 18-room mansion, uh, somewhere between 2 and 2.30 on August the 16th, uh, 1977. He was last seen early that day playing racquetball with members of his entourage. And according to the medical investigator, Elvis had stumbled or crawled several feet before he died. Uh, Elvis was officially pronounced dead at 3.30 p.m. at the Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, And the cause of his death was heart disease, as listed by the coroners. But many speculate that the combined amount of prescription drugs, at least 10, we've talked about that, uh, in his system could have, and dare I say they did, play a role in his death. Now, his funeral was a national media event, as you can imagine. Elvis was arguably... The biggest star of his day and had been for many years. And this was back before the days of 24 hour news channels, before MTV, before um, all of these different networks, before, you know, on TV, before satellite, before um, internet, before cell phones, before Twitter, all this other sorts of stuff, which celebrities i.e. musicians used to try to boost their fame. Uh, Elvis didn't have any of that and he didn't need it. He was that big. Now you can probably say by today's standards how can you compare him to famous people of today famous musicians like I don't know uh, Beyonce um, or um, Rihanna or uh, people who are famous for absolutely doing nothing at all, like Kim Kardashian. Um, You know, how how can you compare his fame to theirs? Well, there really is no comparison, because they use all of these media outlets, Instagram, Twitter, the Internet, Facebook, you know, stupid reality TV shows, because they don't really have any musical talent or any other talent, i.e. Kim Kardashian, you know, so what do they do? They 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 use gadgets and gimmicks, gimmicks to boost their fame, to boost their non-existent talent. And Elvis had talent. He could play an instrument. He could sing. Had a beautiful, unique voice. And he had charisma, something that a lot of these people today don't have. So how can you compare? It's like apples and oranges, really. You can't compare Elvis to modern-day musicians because even now, 39 years after his death, he is not just A-level above them, he is miles above the, the musicians of today. So, like I was saying, his funeral was a national media event. Hundreds of thousands of fans and the press and celebrities lining the streets hoping to see the open casket in Graceland or to witness the funeral. For the record now, Elvis' last performance was in Indianapolis at the Market Square Arena on June 26, 1977. So The circumstances of his death are described in many conflicting ways. Witnesses disagree as to how the body was found, and what Elvis was wearing, when the body was found, whether he was dead already, when death was actually declared, and what techniques were tried to resuscitate him. It doesn't appear clear if it was the mix of drugs in his system or coronary artery disease, heart disease, that was the main cause of his death. I think it was a combination of the two. He was in very poor health. He was overweight. He had a horrible, horrible diet and was taking handfuls of prescription drugs, a lot of them narcotics. He was taking them by the handfuls like they were Tic Tacs. So there's a lot of things that contributed to this poor man's death. So let's travel back in time. August the 16th, 1977 and Elvis Presley's lifeless body is discovered on the bathroom floor of his upstairs bedroom suite. An ambulance is called and the paramedics failing to resuscitate Elvis transport him to the emergency department at Baptist Memorial Hospital. Approximately 30 minutes later Elvis Presley is pronounced dead. Possibly from cardiac arrhythmia and heart disease. The ultimate finding from Shelby County medical examiner Dr. Jerry Francisco will baffle some people and the cause of his death will be debated and deconstructed for many years to come all the way up till now. This is what we're doing, right? But there's no question that a death did in fact occur. That is until just a few years later. Now through the 1980s and into the 90s, the Elvis conspiracy was introduced and propagated as a parallel debate alongside alongside the cause of death debate. On one side was the cardiac arrhythmia versus the drug overdose debate, and on the other side was the alive versus dead debate and the faked death versus actual death debate. The claims and allegations were amassed and became part of the Elvis lexicon. His middle name is misspelled on the gravestone, so Elvis must be sending us a message that he's alive. Elvis's voice was recorded during a phone call to uh, Gail Brewer-Giorgio, who was the godmother of the Elvis' Alive Underground. Elvis' uh, Lloyds of London life insurance policy was never cashed, meaning the estate didn't want to commit insurance fraud after Elvis faked his death and a myriad of other small bits of information here and there that were woven into this big conspiracy net. Now, the Alivers, as they are known, uh, contend that these pieces of information indicate that Elvis Presley faked his death. So let's fast forward to present day, 2016. We're now at the point where the Elvis is alive debate needs to be reassessed and then eliminated altogether. The reality is that there are no facts or figures to suggest, prove, or otherwise indicate that Elvis Presley faked his death. For more than two decades, almost shoot, it's almost four decades, the conspiracy debate has been framed as a battle between the facts, the quote-unquote facts, to support a faked death, and the quote-unquote facts to support an actual death. But the debate is not a valid one, and it can be boiled down to this. The Alivers have no facts, and their entire position is based on inaccuracy, faulty reasoning, and myth. So let's look at my top five primary pieces of so-called evidence used to support the notion that Elvis faked his death. In other words, let's take a look at my top five Elvis Presley death conspiracy theories. We're going to go in reverse order, so we'll start with number five. Number five, as I just mentioned a minute ago, is the active Lloyds of London insurance policy. Alivers use this often cited claim to support the idea that Elvis faked his own death. They say that since this insurance policy is still active, that the Presley estate must have been aware that collecting on a life insurance policy when the policyholder is still alive is insurance fraud. Thus, the reasoning goes, Elvis must have faked his death. The active insurance policy tells us so. This theory is a glaring example of the Alivers simply not doing any research and regurgitating talking points year after year. The insurance policy in question was, in fact, never purchased, and that makes it neither active nor inactive, or should I say, able to be cashed. It never existed. This is yet another example of evidence cited by livers that it really isn't evidence at all. It's just a myth that no one who perpetrates the theory has ever actually bothered to investigate. So the Lloyds of London insurance policy is not a valid piece of evidence. So number five, or excuse me, number four, the Elvis sightings themselves. Elvis has supposedly been seen very at various times and in various locations over the past 39 years or so, and none of these sightings have been proven to be that of elvis presley at all the typical siding has these or should i say variation of these components the man had jet black hair styled as elvis had his in the 1970s the man knew things only elvis would know the man made cryptic remarks about elvis presley about elvis's family and about elvis's death The man acted in a suspicious manner like he was trying to hide himself or was afraid of being seen. And the list just goes on and on and on. Again, though, there's nothing to indicate that any of these sightings was actually Elvis Presley post-August 1977. So Elvis sightings, you can't really use them as valid pieces of evidence. Now, I would like to note that before the conspiracy talk began in the early 80s, Elvis was never cited after August 16, 1977. The only claim of someone seeing Elvis after the time of his death takes us to the Memphis International Airport, where one day after Elvis's death, a ticket to Buenos Aires was purchased by a man who supposedly looked a lot like Elvis and used the name John Burroughs. John Burroughs was the same name Elvis frequently used to remain anonymous when making hotel reservations. Um, some say he used it for his entire entourage. Um, but regardless, it was a name that was used by Elvis Presley uh, to remain anonymous when it, frequently. Uh, when he was making these these hotel reservations. The major flaw in this theory, though, is that there were no international tickets sold at the Memphis airport in August of 1977. Furthermore, there's no one who can corroborate this claim, trace the claim, or give any insight into the origin of this statement. For my research... Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
2: O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: This ticket purchasing tale has absolutely no basis in fact, so it appears that Elvis sightings began only after the conspiracy was introduced. So we've had number five and number four. Let's talk about number three, the replacement body at Graceland. Now, according to the replacement body theory, the dead body that was discovered at Graceland, delivered to the emergency room, autopsied, and ultimately buried at Graceland six weeks later, the casket had been placed in a museum at Forest Hill Cemetery in Memphis on August 18, 1977, the day of Elvis's funeral. But... The burial, the actual burial, six weeks later, was donated as part of an elaborate... uh, The body that was buried six weeks later was donated as part of an elaborate death hoax. The Presley Commission, a group of self-appointed citizens uh, who investigated Elvis' death, outlined this strange theory in their 1995 publication, The Presley Report. Which was supposed to be an in-depth analysis of Elvis's death, but in reality was a piece of death hoax propaganda, if there is such a thing. So, why did the Presley family have the funeral only s- a few days—the public funeral—only a few days after his death? Why did they have it so soon? It was—it was well, actually, it was—it was only one day after Elvis's death. And and the coffin was alleged to have weighed uh, an amazing nine hundred pounds, and how was the Presley family able to find a nine hundred pound coffin so fast? And why the hell would they need one anyway? The the spectacle of watching a mass of Elvis pallbearers struggling to carry the massive coffin is enough to make you laugh, or at least scratch your head and wonder. And I've seen video clips of this, and it's uh, it's it's you know they They are struggling with it, but then again, he did weigh two hundred and fifty pounds, and then you add a however many pound coffin, so I don't think that the coffin maybe weighed nine hundred pounds, maybe they're exaggerating saying everything together was nine hundred pounds. I don't know wasn't there you know anyway, people who attended the funeral claimed that areas around the coffin actually seemed a little bit colder, as if there was an air conditioner or or some kind of weird cooling device attached to the coffin. Now, keeping the temperature low would actually be necessary if the body in the coffin was a wax replica of Elvis, a theory which some say could be true. For example, the only known post-death picture of Elvis in the is is uh is in his coffin, and this photo clearly doesn't look exactly like the fat Elvis that was living during that time. The nose is different, and the hands weren't rough enough. They said Elvis had rough hands from all of his years of guitar playing and uh, martial arts. Um. Elvis was. Uh, he was a brick busting sixth degree black belt. Even one of the, uh, so his hand should have been rough, you know, from doing all of the, the martial arts. Even one of the king's famous sideburns appeared to be loose and fallen off, according to reports. Beads of sweat or, or drops from the glue or wax were noticed by onlookers, and reportedly, a hairdresser later on. Uh, glued the sideburn back on the body. And the funeral wasn't even attended by Elvis' father or his closest friends. They had a private gathering later on. Cameras weren't allowed at the funeral either. The famous photo of him in the coffin was actually ran on the cover of the National Enquirer on September the 6th, 1977, just weeks after Elvis passed away. And even who took the photo is the object of speculation, it, or at least it was for years. Uh, later, it was confirmed by a tell-all book by uh, Inquirer editor uh, Ian Calder that Elvis's cousin, Billy Mann, was paid $18,000 to sneak a photo of, of uh, Elvis in his coffin. Um, and there was uh, a cousin of Elvis named uh, Billy Smith who also corroborated this claim. And there are also strange reports claiming that a black helicopter was seen at the Graceland estate the day Elvis died. Did Elvis get on that helicopter? Monty Nicholson, a veteran with the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, wrote a novel um, called The Presley Arrangement. about a, a. He writes in this novel about a government helicopter hovering over Graceland and finally landing in the backyard. Uh, Nicholson was informed that there were pictures of Elvis getting on the helicopter during the early afternoon of August 16th. Others report seeing a helicopter, um, uh, including one man named Larry Geller, uh, in his book If I Can Dream, Elvis's own story. And this guy says that he saw it from his window at uh, Howard Johnson's. He saw a helicopter hovering over Graceland. Uh, in Elvis, my brother Billy Stanley noted that Elvis was wearing a jogging suit with a DEA logo during the early morning hours of August 16, 1977 a lot of theories surrounding a fake body in the coffin, right? well, the replacement body theory is wholly illogical, just on its face but if you delve more deeply into the plot it's quite obvious that there was not even a tiny tidbit of critical thinking applied to this theory and that the originators of this theory didn't once again didn't properly analyze the data to put it simply the presley commission applied medical data to the body on the autopsy table that they claim was the body of someone else. That it was extracted from the medical charts of Elvis Presley when he was hospitalized several years earlier at Baptist Memorial Hospital. In other words, they applied Elvis's medical conditions to the body that they claim was not Elvis Presley. And to make matters worse, they incorrectly interpreted that data and reached faulty conclusions. So on this replacement body theory, and on all subsequent conclusions that pertain to the a replacement body theory, or this theory as presented by the Presley Commission, I have to find that this is not a valid piece of evidence. Now, one thing you've got to think about, Elvis was in life right before he died, 250 pounds, very overweight, very unhealthy. He had a large amount of, of white clay-appearing fecal matter impacted in his colon. And his personal physician, Dr. Nick, had tried to get several doctors in the surrounding Memphis area to actually operate on Elvis because this wasn't coming out, not on its own. This, This had to be surgically removed. And he tried to get several doctors to perform this procedure and no one would do it because they were all scared. You know, if what if something happened and Elvis Presley died on the operating table? They didn't want to be the surgeon who was known as the person that killed Elvis. I can certainly see that. And if you have a handful of surgeons who are saying, I'm not going to operate on this guy because I'm afraid he might die on the operating table, what does that tell you about the health of the man if he was in healthy condition with the exception that he had some fecal matter that needed to come out they should have been dying to do this surgery right to be the man who saved the life of Elvis Presley or who cured him of his impacted colon that's why he couldn't poop was because he was number one impacted and why was he so impacted well He was impacted because he was taking so many damn narcotic opioids that it slowed down his gastric motility and he became freaking impacted that way, which eventually led to his death. So he was obese, out of shape, and he had been dead face down in the bathroom For an unknown period of time. Now, when you die and all of your body functions stop. A few hours after death, you start to have rigor mortis, right? Everybody knows that. But did you also know that something happens called lividity? And it's where all of basically the blood and bodily fluids pool to the point of gravity. So, if he were face down on the floor, his whole entire front half of his body, to include his face and his neck and his head and his chest and his abdomen, would have been full of pooled, stagnated blood. He would have been bloated. He would have been purple and blue and probably even some gray mixed in there. They call that modeling. And he would have been stiff And once that happens, it's really, really hard to make it look good again. Uh, When you just die and you're on your back, what do you see in the coffin? You see somebody face up, right? You don't see their backside. So the morticians never really have to worry about doctoring up the backside of a body, right? But when you die face down and you're left there for hours and all of this stuff happens and they roll you over, well, you're going to look like hell. You're not going to look like the same person. So what else was the, the mortician to do except for to try to make Elvis look as good as he possibly could? And remember, he had just had an autopsy too, so he's all cut up as well. And one of the things that they're going to do in an autopsy is they're going to cut away the skin on the top of your skull, your scalp, i.e., and they're going to cut your skull open and they're going to take a look at your brain. So now you've got a freaking, you've been scalped, basically, right? So you've got a big, fat, bloated, discolored face that has been scalped on the head what the hell is the mortician supposed to do there might it's very well possible that elvis lost one of his sideburns during the um autopsy that it got all fucked up and so what do they do they're like well it's freaking elvis presley we got to do something so they put a fake sideburn on him And you're going to have to put a ton of that pancake makeup bullshit stuff on someone to try to make them look normal because there was an open casket. The man never should have had an open casket to start off with. But if that would have happened, can you imagine all of the damn conspiracy theories that would be flying around now, right? So it doesn't surprise me that the body in the coffin didn't look like Elvis Presley because he had been through so much after he died that there's no way in hell that they could have made him look like Elvis Presley so that whole thing about a replacement body especially the wax dummy supposedly Elvis's dad went to uh some wax museum uh, a few weeks before Elvis died and bought a wax replica of Elvis and made the comment, "Boy, you should see what we're gonna you know, wait you see what we do with this or something like that." I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, you know, once again, if you have a wax dummy in a coffin, it's freaking August, man. That it's gonna melt. It's gonna turn into a blob, and there ain't no way in hell that they could have an air conditioner in the coffin. I don't know who the hell came up with that theory, but that's just asinine, dumb. So now we have looked at number five which is the Lloyds of London insurance policy. Number four, Elvis sightings. Number three, the replacement body theory. So now we're getting into my top two. So number two is Elvis in the witness protection program. Another standard claim is that Elvis Presley was a federal agent appointed by President Richard Nixon. And in this capacity, his life was in danger and he had to disappear. This theory further provides that Elvis was part of a broad investigation by the FBI into a group called the Fraternity, which was involved in many complex criminal schemes, one of which was the illegal acquisition of one of Elvis's personal airplanes. The investigation in question was called Operation Fountain Pen. The Alivers... Take this string of connected claims one step further, though. They say that Elvis had to go into hiding because of his damaging testimony against the fraternity before a grand jury on August fifteenth, 1977, which put his life in danger. If you take a really good look at the facts, however, it leads to the following. Number one, Elvis was not a federal agent. Nixon conferred on Elvis the status of special assistant for the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs and gave him the appropriate badge. But this was an honorary position and was in all likelihood an accommodating gesture on Nixon's part. Elvis had volunteered his services as a federal quote-unquote agent at large, and Nixon wanted to thank him in some way for doing this. Since such a title and position didn't exist, Nixon did the best next best thing. He appointed Elvis as an advisor of sorts. Uh, badge in hand, Elvis returned to Memphis and proudly showed off this newly acquired position, this new acquisition here. And did he ever assist or advised the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs? Of course not. Of course he didn't. Number two, Elvis did not testify in this case. Though he may have testified, he had not died during that particular time period. So Vernon Presley, acting on Elvis's behalf, was also involved and the Operation Fountain Pen investigation, far more involved, actually, than Elvis was, and he did testify via videotape before the grand jury. Number three, the grand jury was not seated, and no indictments were handed down on August 15, 1977, as the Alivers contend. The indictments against several members of the fraternity were presented in October of 1977, some two months later. If we remove the August 15th, 1977 grand jury claim, then there's no foundation for the claim that Elvis had to disappear the following day on August 16th, 1977. And finally, number four, if Elvis Presley was in so much danger that he had to fake his own death and go into the witness protection, why both of those, right? We'd have to ask the obvious question. Why wasn't Vernon Presley also afforded federal protection? After all, it was Vernon and not Elvis who testified against the fraternity. There isn't any evidence at all that the Presley family was threatened in any way following Vernon's recorded testimony. The fact is, Elvis Presley was not a true federal agent, and he did not testify against this group of career criminals, a.k.a. the fraternity. As with the other examples, the claim that Elvis had to disappear is not valid at all, and the Alivers have created a tale of intrigue and suspense where none actually exists. So we get to my number one conspiracy theory on the death of Elvis Presley. And that is one that you've probably all heard of. It's the spelling on the gravestone. Alivers allege that because Elvis spelled his middle name with a single A, Aaron, A-R-O-N, the misspelling of the name as A-A-R-O-N on the gravestone has sinister implications. Now it's true that Elvis spelled his middle name with a single A, because there are numerous examples of his signature where he signs the name Elvis Aaron Presley. Later in his life, he wanted to change the spelling to the double A version, and his estate offers a reasonable explanation for this. The point, though, is that this quote-unquote evidence, so often cited by those who believe Elvis faked his death, is not evidence at all. First of all, we really don't know how Elvis spelled or wanted to spell his name at the end of his life, and we don't know why Vernon Presley, Elvis' father, chose the double A spelling for the grave marker. Now, before anyone can comment on whether this, this spelling on the grave marker indicates something is afoot here, we must first establish that the name is, in fact, misspelled, and so far, there's no conclusive evidence that it is. For the Aliver's position, then, this is not valid. And supposedly, um, there is, there are signatures of Elvis later on in his life, after he decided to change the name to A-A-R-O-N, that he did start signing his name A-A-R-O-N, Elvis Aaron, with two A's, Presley. And the reason that his father spelled Aaron with two A's on the grave marker is because that's how Elvis wanted his middle name to be spelled. I don't know why it was. I'm sure that I've read, or here's our creepy clock. I'm sure I've read or heard that uh, somewhere, um, but I can't remember why. I just know that Elvis wanted his name to be spelled with two A's instead of one. And his father honored that on his tombstone. So there are my top five Elvis Presley death conspiracy theories. And as you can tell by the chiming on the creepy clock, it is the top of the hour. So I am going to take a small break and let you listen to a little bit of Elvis Presley. And I will return with some more of... The story, so uh listen to this
2: One
3: through a party in the county jail. The prison band was there, they began to wail. The band was jumping down the joint began to swing. You should have heard it was knocked out jail birds. i
1: get in touch with the show? Got a comment about tonight's episode? Maybe you've got an idea for a topic for a future episode. Email me, sandman at parareality.com Leave a message on the studio line at 615- 692- 1170 Listen to new episodes of Parareality Radio the first Monday of every month at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, online at parareality.com Turn on, tune in, and find out. Oh my God, you know I really have got to go in and cut some new promos because obviously the show is now on the first Friday of every month. It's been moved instead of the first Monday of every month. Um, I just never seem to be able to find the time. I'm always working on doing the actual show itself, and then when it comes time to do the freaking actual record it I remember oh damn I forgot to go and record a new promo so I will get that done that is going to be my goal between now and the first Friday of September is I am going to get a new promo done I'm gonna get several new promos done because I need it man hey if you're out there and uh, you think you've got a voice for radio and you want to help me cut a promo, Drop me an email, sandman at com, and let me know if you're interested in uh, helping me cut a promo. Um, maybe send me an audio clip, just a real quick uh, 15, 20-second audio clip of you, uh, you know, doing some some sort of reading, maybe a fake commercial or something like that. Uh, yeah if uh, there's no money in it obviously for you or anything like that other than saying hey i got uh to do a promo for parality radio um you can use it on your portfolio or whatever but yeah man that's that's a pretty good idea if you've got uh think you've got a good radio voice or hell even if you don't think you have a good radio voice uh get in touch with me sandman at com, and uh Let me know you're interested and we'll work out trying to to, uh, get a sample of your voice. And if I think it's good enough to help me cut a promo, I will uh, send you some sort of script and you can read it and I'll put some music to it. And bam, we'll have ourselves a promo for Pair Reality Radio. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty damn good idea. So anyway, got to get back to the show. I I digress as I normally do. (laughs) So... When I left you a little while ago, I had discussed my top five Elvis Presley death conspiracy theories. So I'm going to end the second half of this show talking about some more um, odd theories that are going down that doesn't really have to do with his death, but actually has to just surround Elvis himself. um, Like maybe he's still alive or some weird things that he did. Of course he was weird. I mean, he would sit in his TV room at Graceland with a loaded pistol and shoot television. So, I mean, you know, and eat fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches that doesn't even sound remotely appealing okay anyway so I was just thinking about that see I don't like bananas so anyway here we go so let's talk about some odd behavior that Elvis Presley had he did display some rather odd behavior just prior to his death here are some things that he did number one He was scheduled to begin a tour on August the 16th of 1977. And one of the things that he would routinely do before he went on tour was, uh, get new costumes made. You know, he had the, the Elvis jumpsuits with the big heavyweight championship belt buckle and the little cape thing behind it and all that. He had, you know, dozens of them and he would get new costumes made for every tour that he went out on. Well, This last tour that he was going to go out on in 77, he did not order new costumes for that tour. Now, no one knows why. He never gave a reason, at least as far as I know. But that is kind of odd, considering that that was something that he always did, was order new costumes. Second thing he did that was kind of strange was he fired several old friends shortly before his death. Now, he had an entourage. He was probably the originator of the entourage. You know, these days, everybody has one. But back then, nobody had an entourage unless you were Elvis. And he, of course, employed all of his friends, and they were collectively known as the Memphis Mafia. Well, he fired several old friends right before he died. Now, maybe it was because they were writing a book telltale book about him I don't know supposedly that was the reason but you know Elvis was he was loyal to you if you were loyal to him and if you betrayed that loyalty there was a high price to pay I'm not saying he was going to kill you or anything like that but there was a high price to pay and maybe he felt if they were writing this book maybe he felt like he was betrayed and so he you know nixed him and got rid of him another weird thing that he did was um, the last tour that he, that he did go out on prior to his death he sang uh, blue Christmas which is one of his more famous Christmas songs my favorite Christmas song um, and what was so strange about that was that it was summertime when he was on that tour and he sang blue Christmas now he didn't routinely do that so what makes you know what the hell's I had to do anything maybe he just wanted to freaking sing the song maybe he wanted to do something different change it up I don't know but it was kind of odd because he really didn't sing that song unless it was Christmas time and finally allegedly five months before he died there were family members who were suddenly cut out of his will now we don't know why This happened. Maybe he realized he needed to have that money as a resource to live incognito. So he cut him out of the will. I don't know. The Alivers tend to use that as, once again, proof that Elvis is still alive. Because he cut family members out of the will, he needed the extra money so he could live off of it for the rest of his life. Some other odd behavior that was not by Elvis was uh, by his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, who I don't think Tom Parker was his real name, and he certainly was not a colonel. I think the reason he took the name Colonel, or the person he took the name Colonel Tom Parker from was actually Tom Parker, and he was actually a colonel. And I can't remember what the fake Colonel Tom Parker's real name was, but he was some, like, sideshow Dude in a in a in a carnival or something like that uh anyway he he was really screwing Elvis over his whole entire career, but anyway, Elvis's manager, Colonel I say that using air quotes, Colonel Tom Parker, said in a press conference shortly after Elvis's death, this is what he said: Elvis didn't die. the body did we're keeping up the good spirits we're keeping Elvis alive. I talked to him this morning and he told me to carry on. Now that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Uh, Is it possible that Parker was talking to Elvis literally? I mean, was he talking to Elvis face-to-face because Elvis wasn't dead? Or was that just his way of saying that he was talking to Elvis the same way all of us talk to our loved ones after they die. Because everybody does that, right? If your mom, your dad, your favorite aunt uncle dies, your grandparents, you talk to them every once in a while. You know, maybe that's what uh, Parker was talking about. Maybe that's what he meant. Don't know. And some other odd behavior was from a lady named Lucy DeBarbon. She was a former lover of Elvis's. Um, she said that she received a rose in the mail the day after Elvis died. And the card said that it was from El Lancelot, which was her pet name for Elvis. And she said no one else knew that name. So was she making that up just to try to gain some attention? Or was there really a rose from Elvis? Now, it is quite possible that he ordered it, the you know, the day before or a couple of days before he died, you know, um, but don't know. That's just kind of odd, right? So those are some odd things about the death or after, the before and after the death of the late great king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. So here are some other theories about Elvis. Um there were supposedly new recordings from Elvis Presley in the 1990s. Did you know that? Yeah, in uh, 2000, mm-hmm. an independent label released a CD called... I'm going to try to pronounce this without screwing it up. You know how I am. Called King Entuned. And it featured, air quotes again, the voice of Elvis. In it, at least 14 well-known songs are sung by this voice of Elvis, which is allegedly an exact match of Elvis's voice, down to the T. However, the songs Tears in Heaven, La Vida Loca, Sweet Home Alabama, have I told you lately? And "Candle in the Wind" weren't written and did not exist prior to August sixteenth, nineteen seventy-seven. So, was it really the King singing these songs? Was he doing covers, basically? Well, not so," said the producer of the record, who uh, credited a guy by the name of Doug Church as the voice of Elvis. However, some conspiracy theorists claim to have compared the voice on King and Tuned with a sample of Elvis' original recordings, and they say that it's an exact match, and it really is the King singing incognito. So, what I should tell you is you be the judge of that. You can buy that CD on, of all places, Amazon.com. There's nothing they don't sell, right? Uh, you can buy that on Amazon. Hell, if you're a Prime member, you may be able to listen to it for free. I don't know. And then you dig out some old Elvis records from your own collection or just steal some off the Internet like everybody else does and um, compare it yourself. I have not tried this, I, I admittedly, um, so I don't know. I will, probably one day when I'm bored and don't have anything else to do, I will uh, check it out and see for myself. If you happen to have that CD and you're listening to this podcast, let me know what you think. Or if you get it and listen to it, do your own comparison. Let me know what you think. Drop me an email, com. Excuse me, had to get a little something to drink there. And one of the more weird theories about Elvis after he died is that he made a cameo in the movie Home Alone. (laughs) I bet you guys didn't know that, did you? That's probably the most unusual sighting is in this movie Home Alone. Now this was made in 19, well it came out in 1990 and it's a comedy starring this kid named Macaulay Culkin. And, The supposed Elvis person can be seen during the airport scene when Kate McAllister, the character Kate McAllister is played by Catherine O'Hara, is pleading with airport staff to get her on a plane back to Chicago and her eight-year-old son. There is a man standing behind her who resembles a bearded Elvis Presley. And he can be seen standing right behind her. He's wearing a beige jacket and a black turtleneck. Now, I don't know who in the hell the first person was that saw this and said, holy shit, that looks like Elvis. I don't know, but I've seen the movie Home Alone. It's been a long time. I don't ever remember seeing this guy in the movie. He was just an extra, just like standing there. I mean, he wasn't really doing anything right. But I've seen video still images when I was doing research for this show. And, well, the guy you could say resembles Elvis a little bit, maybe. But it is a stretch. you just have to look at Google it yourself. I mean, is that really Elvis? Did he really pop up in a Hollywood movie 13 years after he died? Just to what, to, to tease his fans or something, What to make some money. Maybe he was running low on funds. I mean, some say that the resemblance between Elvis and this extra in home alone is so striking that it's got to be him. It must be him. There's no one else it can be. And, Others have said, well, it's just a lookalike. And, I, you know, I think he kind of resembles Elvis. I don't think it's so striking that it's got to be him, you know. Uh, but Elvis would have been, what, 55 at the time that Home Alone was filmed. And if you look at this guy in the movie, you know, he could easily be 55 because he is an older gentleman. But... Still, there are loads of people in the world who closely resemble other people. It's just one of those things. I get all the time people tell me that I look like so-and-so. I get it all the time. Look at all the Elvis impersonators that are still out there. They look like Elvis, don't they? I mean, I suppose it all comes down to one question. If... Elvis made a concerted effort back in 1977 to escape public life and potential assassination by the mafia wouldn't he really have would he really have have risked all of that for a, a silent one minute cameo as an extra in some goofy movie like Home Alone I really don't think so I highly doubt that once again you look it up on the interwebs or you put your copy of home alone that dvd in your in your dvd player and you make up your own mind i like i said i'm not buying it so um another theory is the bunker theory uh, you've probably heard something similar to this like you know elvis is living on a you know deserted island somewhere with freaking jimmy hoffa and jim morrison uh you know maybe even john lennon you know but uh anyway there's a bunker theory and elvis reportedly built a bunker underneath his graceland estate where he retreated after he faked his death in 1977 to well just really to escape the media and boost record sales Uh, the theory says, it goes back to the wax body, it says his coffin was, was, it had a wax body in it, and an air conditioning unit, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, to cool, to keep the body cold, the wax figure cool, so it wouldn't melt in the sweltering Memphis heat in August. So, anyway, he lived down there, in this bunker, eating, watching TV, shooting TVs, and, hanging out just like he did when he was alive all the way up until 2009 when he was joined by another celebrity faking his death to escape the tabloid media and in need of a popularity booth, one Michael Jackson. Yes, there is that theory. And you know Michael Jackson and the King are linked because he did marry Lisa Marie Presley and they had a short relationship for a while. Um, don't know what the hell was going on with that, but yeah, supposedly, even though he and, uh, Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie have been divorced for many moons, uh, supposedly, uh, Michael Jackson also faked his death and joined Elvis in the bunker underground where they've been, he's been living for the past, well, at that point, and it was what, uh, it was 2009 so it've been 22 years something like that no 30 32 years 30 something yeah you know so my math isn't good plus it's late i'm tired and who knows this may not actually be tea that i'm drinking so um yeah I had never heard of that until once again, I started doing research for this show. As a matter of fact, a lot of these I hadn't heard until I was doing research for the show. Um, the desert Island thing was the one that I always heard. And the, uh, the, uh, fake body in the coffin was another one that I had always heard. The, the home alone deal. Never heard that one. Bunker theory. Never heard this one. The recordings from the nineties. I've heard that before. Anyway, that's, probably one of the most outlandish things is the bunker bunker theory. So uh what do we got here? Um oh yeah, the latest thing is that Elvis is a groundskeeper uh working at Graceland. If and it's a big if, if Elvis were still alive today, he would be 81 years old. Now, some pictures of an old man with gray long hair pulled back in a ponytail have surfaced on the internet and some believe that it just may be the king himself. The old man is a groundskeeper for Graceland and video surveillance, which can actually be seen on YouTube, shows this guy looking straight into the video camera. And the person who uploaded the video to YouTube added his own thoughts down there in the comments section. And this is what the guy says. He raises, and this is so bizarre, but this is what the guy says. He raises two fingers to the top of his left head as a proof of life signal. He told us he is alive with the simple V sign. I'm alive. He is giving us a clue that he knows we are all there watching him and to his most loyal fans, he is indeed with us. <laughs> so the guy put the, his hands up onto the side of his head in a V pattern, his finger up into his fingers up into a V pattern. And that means that this is a this is a life signal. Now, I've, I haven't seen the video. Once again, I have seen still shots of this video. Uh, a stretch. A stretch. I've seen the V pattern that he's holding. It's just, you know, if you held up your fingers V for victory, this dude's kind of doing this on the side of his head. It doesn't mean shit other than the dude, maybe he's scratching his damn head or maybe he had a headache or something. You know, I I don't know. So this was done from a video surveillance. So did he know that the camera was there? If he did, was he trying to hide himself? Who knows, man? The YouTube channel claims to have verif- verified that this groundskeeper is indeed Elvis himself. It was revealed that previous workers from Graceland admitted that the old man is Elvis and that they can, quote, remember with the exact same ponytail. S- uh I don't even know really how to address this because there's no proof of their claim that they have verified that they have talked to other groundskeepers or or workers from Graceland. And even if it were true, how could you keep that a secret? You know somebody's going to talk. Why would you fake your own death only to remain at Graceland and work as a groundskeeper and and tell everybody, oh yeah, it's me. Yeah, I'm Elvis. I fake my death. I like my ponytail. It's asinine. It's completely fucking stupid. Now, this video of the alleged aging Elvis has started a frenzy over the internet though and social media sites and, and is causing many to believe that Elvis is actually alive and, and well once again have not seen the video I've only seen still shots of it I don't think this guy looks like Elvis I mean if you stretch it out maybe maybe a little bit you know I don't know uh, anyway that's the most asinine fucking theory So, the next theory is the Orion theory. Now, this is actually a true story. Um, It's really bizarre. And, of course, Elvis was a bizarre person. And only someone who had, I don't know, a conniving mind would have thought of of doing something like this. So, shortly after Elvis' death, a masked singer by the name of Orion emerged on the scene. And he was big like Elvis, and he sang just like Elvis, but because of the mask, no one could tell his true identity. One fan described seeing Orion from near the stage, and she claims that Orion left the stage between songs and when he reappeared moments later, the sweat was gone from his armpits and back and she thought that his costume looked slightly different. After the song, he left the stage and the original Orion returned. Okay. And then another fan described how she rushed into a tour bus at an Orion show only to see two Orions in the back of the bus. She claimed that one ducked into the bathroom before she could get a good look at him, but he appeared to look just like Elvis Presley. So, you have a dude coming out that kind of looks similar to Elvis and has the same voice as Elvis, but he's wearing a freaking mask? Are you kidding me? Now, 1981... 2020 did an investigation into the circumstances surrounding the alleged death of Elvis Presley. And the investigative report was, it was a pretty convincing one. Uh, Oddly enough, though, within a couple of weeks of the report, the singer Orion disappeared and was never heard from again. Um, There was a book called Orion, and it disappeared from shelves across the country supposedly because it had been recalled by the publisher, which was associated with the William Morris Agency, who incidentally was the same agency that represented Elvis Presley. So there's just one problem to this whole theory. There really was no Orion, and there never had been. Orion's hometown of Ribbonsville, Tennessee was as made up as his fictional biography and about as non-existent as Dixieland, the Graceland-esque mansion he supposedly lived in and where fans could send him fan mail. The man behind the mask was really a southern dude named Jimmy Ellis, who was an adopted son of a horse farmer from Oroville, Alabama. This dude had grown up dreaming about a career in music but never got a real shot until he was later on in his life when Sun Records owner, which was coincidentally where Elvis got his start with Sun Records, uh, Sun Records owner Shelby Singleton conspired to capitalize on posthumous Elvis mania By launching an elaborate pop fantasy around the character of Orion. A gimmick that worked all too well as freaking Jimmy Ellis came to realize. Because he had signed a contract stating that he could never take off the mask. And I've seen pictures of this dude. Um and with the mask on and without the mask on and without the mask on he looks like um your typical uh southern redneck dude who liked Elvis Presley meaning he had the sideburns the pork chops you know and the the sharp uh part in his hair and his hair was jet black and, and he just looked like an Elvis, not an Elvis impersonator, but he looked like someone who modeled his style after Elvis. If that makes any sense, you put the mask on him though. And you're like, Holy crap. That could be Elvis. Except there's subtle differences. in his facial features and everything that even the, the, cause the mask was just like from, I guess, uh, the nose up, so to speak. Cause you can't sing with a full face mask on, right? Cause it's, it's, it's just not going to work, but yeah, it was an odd looking getup that this dude had. Um, but, uh, supposedly when he did, what, when it all came to an end was, uh, that he had wanted to, take the mask off and reveal himself and be known not as Orion, but as who he really was, Jimmy Ellis. And, um, there's my creepy clock in the background. And, um, of course he was contractually bound to not do that. And so finally, um, in frustration and defiance, he actually did remove the mask at a concert that he was doing. And that, Ended the whole affair. So, uh, yeah. um, That's. That's how it is. (laughs) Or that's how it was. Should I say. Oh, man. So, gosh, we got. We got a little bit of time to kill here. I still have some more stuff to talk about. About Elvis, though. So, um, and then, you know. Here is probably. um, The most. Bizarre. I don't know, you know, what I have in my notes is, and then there's this one, because I don't even know how to describe this. This is probably the most bizarre um, Elvis death conspiracy theory that I have heard, and what I have talked about here tonight, I want you to know, is not all of them, okay, there's tons more right Excuse me, I had to get something else to drink here. Um, And some of them are plausible. Some of them are not so plausible. Some of them are halfway believable. And some of them are just plain stupid. And some of them are bizarre. And this one happens to be, I think, out of all the ones that I looked at and read about and researched, this takes the cake. This is the most bizarre um, theory that's out there and I came across this as I was uh like I said you know doing research for the show for this episode I I I was looking at a whole bunch of different theories and kind of cherry picking you know these interesting little theories that were out there Uh, you know the, the top five that the first hour of the show was about those are you know like they've been around for years and years and years and, and and most people have at least heard of those this second hour i've been focusing on some really weird theories you know surrounding him uh, a little bit before he died and after his death not not really concerning with the death itself like the first part of the show um so i was Searching the internet and 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 looking through articles of Elvis Presley' death uh, stories about his death, you know, from uh, newspapers, magazines, stuff like that, and and uh, I was cherry picking these kind of unique little stories that maybe not everybody was aware of for the second half of the show, and. I wound up coming to this website and I couldn't tell you what the hell the name of this website is for the life of me. I could probably never find the name of this website again. Um, and even if I did know it, I wouldn't tell you because I don't even want to advertise for this wacko dude that's advertising this site. But uh, I, I read this and it was one of those WTF moments, you know, and there was a lot of other stuff on the website. And to tell you the truth, I never really got past the first page on his site. And there was several theories on there uh, surrounding what I'm about to tell you. And I read maybe, three or four little posts that this guy had done surrounding this and I was like I cannot I cannot go any further I can you know I just I just cannot do it so I uh I just quit and that was when I said you know maybe I'm digging a little bit too deep into the internet so at that point I stopped and I said I think I'm going to call this done I've I've got enough material to do an episode here so I stopped and this is what I this is what I stopped with, okay? Elvis Presley was murdered by Freemasons and shortly thereafter resurrected by the Illuminati in Area 51 to eventually become the shadow leader of the world's largest conspiracy. From his birth in 1935 to his death in 1977 to his current reign, Elvis' impact on world history has been vast and deep. But new information has now been uncovered, suggesting his influence extended further back than any of us could have guessed. And he lost me after that. That was exactly what was on the web website word for word right at the top of the page, very first thing that I read. And there's a couple of extra little things after, there was a lot of things after that. I read a couple of things after that. I couldn't even tell you what the hell they were because I was so flabbergasted by this claim that I was done by that point. I kind of like mentally checked out. I have never heard of this theory before. I don't know what kind of uh shadow leader he is and what kind of impact he's been having on our world uh since his resurrection. I don't know what he's been doing. I just couldn't uh I couldn't read any more about this. I so I had to freaking stop. So that's probably No, I'm going to say it's not probably. I'm just going to take the probably out. That is the most bizarre uh, theory surrounding Elvis Presley that I have ever heard. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've heard of something more bizarre. Hell, maybe you are the one that came up with this theory. I don't know. Uh, But it's just so weird and out there that um, I can't even um, wrap my head around it. Of of course it's not true. Uh, Now, Number one, you know, the the Freemasons, yes, you can't say that they're a secret society because everybody knows about them. The whole point of being in a secret society is to not be known. So the Freemasons is a fraternity of secrets. It's a a fraternity of brothers and they have secrets. Uh, Okay, But I don't think that they... So they have secrets. Why why would they want to kill Elvis? I don't think that they would have any reason to kill Elvis. I don't even think that Elvis was a Mason. I've never heard that he was. Of course, if he wanted to be a Mason, all he had to do was just go to the freaking local Mason Lodge and say, hey, I want to be a Mason. And they damn sure would have made him a Mason. I mean, can you imagine... The the publicity, the positive publicity that they would have had to say Elvis Presley is a Freemason. Uh, maybe he was a secret Mason and was a high ranking one and threatened to reveal all their secrets, so they killed him. And then somehow the Illuminati got hold of his body and resurrected him. Hey, this is this is a good theory for my. Uh, my buddy Isaac Weishaupt, who is uh he's been a guest on the show here and I he actually does a podcast that I have been a guest on um Illuminati watcher uh, that's the name of his website um Isaac Weishaupt, Isaac Weishaupt, wow is uh he's a big time Illuminati conspiracy theorist has written several books um like he does a podcast um he has some audio books. I think. I mean, he's he's real deep into this. He's uh, his first book, A Grand Unified Conspiracy Theory. I read. I actually have an autographed copy in my library. Um, it was a pretty pretty interesting book. Um, so Isaac, if you happen to listen to this podcast, let me know what you think about this theory about Elvis being murdered by the Freemasons and then resurrected by the Illuminati in Area 51, no doubt, to eventually become the shadow leader of the world's largest conspiracy. What that is, I have no idea. Isaac, maybe you've got the lockdown on that, buddy. I have no freaking clue. I I do not know. So those are all... The theories that I found out about Elvis, well, not all of them, but those are the ones that I decided to talk about. So some range, like I said, from the very feasible and plausible to the 50-50 area, maybe they could have done that, to the outlandish, to the absolutely no way in hell that that's ever going to work, pull off deal. To the stuff that you just can't even wrap your brain around such as Elvis being killed by Freemasons and erected by the Illuminati in Area 51 so when all of this so-called evidence is added together the Alivers contend that their case is strengthened the reasoning is that while one piece of evidence on its own doesn't prove Elvis faked his death, the entire cumulative body of evidence does suggest, and to some does prove, that Elvis did not die, as reported on August sixteenth, 1977. However, if each piece of evidence cited has absolutely no value, what happens when it's all added up? What happens when zero is added to zero? When all of the evidence is added up, the sum is still zero. There's simply no weight to any of this so-called evidence. Now, if you take this Elvis is Alive debate... And compare it to the JFK assassination debate. You can see that the JFK part, the JFK debate, is focused on fact-based evidence. While the Elvis part, the Elvis debate, is based on an almost pathological misunderstanding of the data. There are volumes and volumes of facts and figures to debate when we look at how John F. Kennedy was killed, and it's likely the strength and weight of the facts and the interpretations offered by both sides that keep the debate going after all these years. This, however, isn't the case with the evidence, the quote-unquote evidence in the Elvis is alive debate evidence this evidence, is, this evidence is, is anecdotal at best, and rises to no acceptable standard of evidence. The body of evidence to support that Elvis Presley died on August 16, 1977, on the other hand, is it's verifiable and unimpeachable. We have eyewitness statements from scores of Elvis's family members, friends and associates as well as from others who saw the body from the time it was discovered on the bathroom floor through the closing of the casket following the funeral service 2 days later. In addition, we've got the unbiased and the un- the unbiased statements and testimony from Elvis's personal physician Dr. Nick the doctors on the autopsy team, the administrators at Baptist Memorial Hospital, um, the emergency room personnel, the Shelby County Medical Examiner, uh, the investigator from the Shelby County Medical Examiner's office, the paramedics who responded to the emergency call, and the staff uh, at the Memphis Funeral Home. We've got Dade County Medical Examiner, Dr. Joseph Davis, who reviewed the autopsy materials in 1994, and the various guards and, and other personnel who saw the body at Baptist Memorial Hospital and at the Memphis Funeral Home during the time period in question, which would be from the afternoon of August 16, 1977, through the afternoon of August 18th, 1977. So you've got tons and tons and tons of people who saw Elvis's dead body, who handled Elvis's dead body, who tried to resuscitate Elvis's dead body, and who um, cut open Elvis's dead body and looked at his guts. You got a whole bunch of people who can put themselves right in the middle of all of this and say beyond a shadow of a doubt without any question that Elvis Presley died on August 16th, 1977. The Alivers are going to take this little piece of evidence here, a little piece of evidence there. Um, Somebody said this here. Somebody said something else there oh, look, there's somebody that looks like Elvis on this end. And they're going to take all of these and try to piece it together, all of this circumstantial evidence, bullshit stuff, and say, hey, this is fact. These are facts. When it's nothing but circumstantial, sometimes made-up bullshit. And you have so many people who saw Elvis dead, who worked on him, who touched him, that it just it, anything that the Alivers can come up with, all of this stuff just basically, it just negates it. Now, several years ago, another construct of the alive versus dead debate was presented um, in the form of this question: Can you prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Elvis Presley died on August sixteenth, nineteen seventy-seven? How did the burden of proof get shifted to the side where all the direct and circumstantial evidence support the fact that Elvis Presley did in fact die on August 16, 1977? By asking this question, the Alivers are attempting to prop up the debate as if they can bear no burden to prove the claims. What they're doing is that they're insinuating the that if people can't absolutely prove that Elvis Presley died, he must have faked his death. Now, that's a nice trick, but it doesn't really work. The burden of proof, by legal standards, lies with the person who makes the charge. When a person charges that Elvis Presley faked his death, a claim that defies all wisdom, logic, and documented information the burden to prove that charge falls squarely on that person's shoulders, and nobody else's. Furthermore, the person making the charge must not only establish positive evidence of his claim, but must also negate the oppositional evidence. So, Have the Alivers negated the statements of eyewitnesses who saw Elvis' body after he was pronounced dead at 3.30 p.m. on that day? No, they haven't. Have they negated the voluminous body of documentation pertaining to the death of Elvis Presley? No, they haven't. Have they negated the statements, many of these statements taken under oath, from the physicians who conducted the autopsy on Elvis's body? Once again, no. They haven't. So, if there are two opposing sides, and one side has no facts and no evidence, can there even be a valid debate? Of course, the answer to that is no, which is why the idea that Elvis faked his death should be erased from our collective consciousness. The debate itself is not valid. And I don't think that you can make a positive statement, a logical statement, otherwise. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this episode of Reality Radio. Oh, I still have 15 minutes to go, so i got some time to kill. So, um... I was um <clears throat> when was it, it was uh, the last couple of episodes last couple of, of uh shows here uh I've had a uh, an in-studio guest um his name's John Harrison he always or not always but the last um 3 years he has done um a skeptics night and um it's always a big draw. And he came into the studio, did Skeptics Night again this year, and uh, once again, a very well-received show. And the very next episode that I did, he just happened to pop by the studio because uh, he knew that I was going to be... Uh, in there working. And he just, uh, he just popped in just to, just to say hi. And, um, I was actually recording the show and I'm like, Hey, come on in and, and sit down and, and be a co-host. And uh, I didn't have everything all set up like I, like I normally do. And, um, I tried to, tried to, he didn't have a mic basically. And I, I tried to work it out. So, um, you could still hear him, but it didn't. It didn't. Didn't work out all that great because you. You could still hear, but it wasn't the, the greatest quality. Um, but I didn't have this, the the guest mic all set up like I normally do. But anyway, why am I why am I talking about all this? Well, because um, I always receive such good positive uh, feedback whenever he's on the show, and I've had several people say that we have a good rapport. And I will have to say, you know, like so many other people who have become uh, guests on the show, I have made a friend out of this guy um if you remember back from the live 365 days where i had uh, a, a guest who had been on the show multiple times who went by the name of horse uh, i don't don't add, don't even ask what that was all about that uh, he went by the name of horse i um became good friend of course not his real name uh i became good friends with him um there was uh, Mr. Rick Hayes, who was a uh, paranormal communications consultant, as he calls himself. I became good friends with him. Uh, there's another guest on the show that's been on here a couple of times um, that I have become very good friends with. His name's uh, Brent Oldham, and uh, I've become very good friends with, with him, and i become... Good friends with uh, Mr. Tony Pratt, who's been a guest on the show several times. The same is true with Mr. John Harrison. I've become very good friends with with him. And uh, I've had emails that say, man, you guys have such a a good rapport with each other, probably better than any of the other guests that I've had on multiple times. You know, you should uh, should do more shows with him. So that's why I kind of talked him into being uh, a co-host last month. And, you know, I would really, that, that kind of, I enjoy having, not just interviewing someone, but I enjoy having a co-host, especially a skeptical one. And that's kind of given me an idea. Um, I would love to have, from time to time, a regular co-host of this show. And, of course, I can't talk Harrison into doing it. Damn it. would be Too simple, right? But it's got me thinking, if there's anybody that's in the Nashville, Tennessee area who would, that's maybe a little bit more skeptical-minded, who would like to help me with my podcast and be an occasional uh, co-host on the show, get in touch with me. I I would be open to having a co-host. I really would prefer to have someone local to my area here in the Nashville, Tennessee area, um, who can come in the studio instead of it being someone who lives, you know, halfway across the country and phones, you know, does the phone a friend in thing. Um, I would, I would entertain that too, but I'd really prefer someone local to the Nashville, Tennessee area. So if you're local to Nashville and, uh, are at least within a decent driving distance and are willing to be a semi-regular co-host on the show, get in touch with me, sandman at com, or uh, call me, 615-692-1170. Or maybe if, I don't know, maybe if you're in some other state halfway across the country or whatever and you want to be a phone-a-friend, you want know, to be the phone-in co-host, maybe we can talk about doing that too. I don't know. I would be... I would be open to it, uh, not not as much as I would be for uh, having someone here in studio. It's just uh, it's more fun, and you get to know somebody a little bit better. And it's you know you, you, it's better interaction when you can do face to face with somebody. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's kind of you know uh, it's kind of cool to have to think that I could have a, a co-host instead of just me doing it all the time. I think it would make the show maybe a little bit more interesting. Um, I'm willing to entertain a co-host, the idea of a co-host. I, I, I am uh I guess you could say, yeah, I'm accepting applications to be a co-host of the show. Now I I don't want you to be a staunch one hundred percent paranormal believer, and I don't want you to be a diehard one hundred percent skeptic either. I prefer to you be uh, if, if you had to swing one way or the other, I'd prefer you to swing a little bit more to the skeptical side. So um, it keeps things a little interesting, and we don't have people with, with you know two people with the same opinion. Uh, I don't think that's good for ratings. Uh, I don't think that makes good entertainment. But I'd like to have someone who is um, a little bit more skeptical, yet open to the idea of there being some paranormal stuff. So, yeah, man... Um, I guess I could say I'm making it official. I'm officially uh, opening up the application process for co-hosts for uh, Parareality Radio. So if you think you got what it takes, get in touch with me, sandman at parareality.com, or give me a phone call, 692-1170, with a 615 area code. That number, once again, is 615-692-1170. Get in touch with me, Sandman at Periality. I think it'll be interesting. Maybe I'll have a few people who will uh, who'll take me up on it. I really would like for you to have some kind of experience on, on uh, radio or podcasting. And please have a good voice. Don't have some sort of uh, effed up weird voice. I'd like for you to be able to uh, also be relatively intelligent. And not some sort of redneck hick. <clears> hmm. <throat> Excuse me, I was getting something to drink because um, yeah, I just can't have that. I got to maintain some level of professionalism, right? So yeah, um, that's kind of my little spill. That's kind of uh, I really wish, uh, like I said, I, I, I would like for it to be someone local to the Nashville, Tennessee area who can who can commit. Number one, um, yeah. Look, I'm only doing um, one show a month for Christ's sake. Uh, And I'm not looking for someone to start off with to be a regular co-host even one show a month. Uh, You know, if you can commit to just every other month, once every other month, that's not a major commitment. I think you can handle that, dude. So yeah, get in touch with me if you think you have what it takes. All right, everybody. That's it with the rambling. I'm done. I hope that you enjoyed tonight's show. Let me know what you thought about it by sending me an email to sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Or you can simply visit parareality.com and leave me a message in one of the comment sections or whatever there on the on the, the website. Uh, parareality.com is where you can find out all kinds of information about the show. You can listen to the current and past episodes. And if you click on the extras tab, you can join the official Parareality Radio forum. Free to join. Uh, You can shop in the Parareality Radio store. You can even watch some show videos and other stuff like that. Uh, Don't forget to look me up on Facebook. That's Sandman Parareality on Facebook. Uh, You can hear the show there as well. And you can also find out more about what's going on in the world of Parareality there on Facebook. And, of course, you can also follow me on Twitter at Radio. That's at P-A-R-A-R-E-A-L-R-A-D-I-O, all one word, at Parareal Radio on Twitter. I'll be tweeting out announcements like special guests and topics, so be sure to follow me on Twitter at Parareal Radio. Everybody, the next episode of Parareality Radio is going to be on Friday, September the 2nd, 2016 at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. I hope that this radio program opens up your mind to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way that you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that you have a wonderful evening, and I'll see you again next month got to go out with a little more The King of Rock and Roll. Good night. We're caught
2: in a trap. I can't walk out. Because I love you too much, baby. Why can't you see what you're doing Don't be